as if you're going to make your life easier in these legitimate ways. Um, now, I, I want to uh, mention also something that we talked about, came out a couple of times, and I told you I wanted to withhold, um, uh, I, I, I wanted to uh, withhold, excuse me for one second while I just look at some questions. Yes, okay. Um, the, if you want to, um, what was I saying? Um, if you if you if you uh, if you uh, need to to tovel, I, I said I said I wanted to withhold a final discussion about toveling dishes that you buy for Pesach. So you know the only thing, and I wouldn't recommend at this point buying permanent dishes for Pesach. The thing which people would need potentially are uh, pots and pans. Uh, now pans again, a lot of people will buy the disposable pans, and if you use them once. You know, they're throwaway and you can, you don't have to tovel them um, if you use them once and throw them away. Um, if, you, um, if you want to buy uh, pots of some pots, which you might need to do in order to do things, maybe some other items that are like metal serving things that you can't do with plastic or disposal, disposable. So what should you do? So I want to say now, and we had a, a major discussion amongst the Rabbanim of the community today, and we're going to be coming out with it in a, in a, in a written public statement. But I want to tell you what the conclusion is, what you shouldn't do and what you should do. And what you shouldn't do is take them to the Kalim Mikvah. There's just too many people that would be going there. And even though the water is chlorinated, there are just too many surfaces and too many people it would go against everything that we're trying to do in public health to, to be having people going to the Kela Mikveh, the hundreds of people who are making Pesach, the thousands of extra people who are making Pesach. You know, just uh, it would be a, a public health wrong. And so, you know, the, 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 the Rabbonim are suggesting to everybody that you do the following. If you're ordering something now, have in mind when it comes that you don't want to take ownership of it. It's delivered to your door. You're leaving it there. It's yours. Excuse me, one more time. You may use it, but don't take ownership of it. Leave it as Hefker. If you got it already and you haven't titled it, and we're talking here about necessary, Caleb, not a nice little dip dish or something that you want to use to enhance your table, but a dish which you need to use, because this is a real leniency in a time of need, is say in front of three people, and the three people don't have to be present. Call three people. You know, get three people together. Anybody wants to do it on the Zoom conference, on one of our future nights, you're welcome to do it on Zoom conference. And declare in front of those people, I am declaring that these items are hefker. They're ownerless. If the kalim don't belong to you, you don't have to title them. Then take a little piece of tape. Tape around the handle. Not orange tape, red tape for your fleshigs, besides red tape for your, and blue for your milchigs. Tape that says, I never titled this thing. So that you'll remember, when things calm down soon, 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 you'll take it to the mikveh, you'll take ownership of it, and you'll take it to the mikveh and title it properly. But for now, don't take it to the mikveh. Again, if you can get, take a, solitude, a solitary ride to the bay and you want to dip it in the bay, that's fine. I actually discussed with Rabbi Heinemann today. Rabbi Heinemann feels that you can title something in the Western Run Creek. But the last thing we want is a big crowd of people finding the low banks of the Western Run Creek. And then we have the same thing as the Kayla Mikveh. Okay, just, just uh, rely on what we said. Make the Kalim Hefker. 
and that will be and that will be fine and that will be okay. So that's uh, that's with regard to uh, to that. Uh, someone asked on the chat. First of all, they asked a very important question: Is this question going to Rabbi Howard? It's labeled Rabbi Rose. Yes, <laughs> it's going to me. And uh, and uh, one question was: If you close off a closet and sell it, and then on Pesach you realize you need something from that closet, can you open the closet to get that thing? So I always ask permission from the person to whom I sell the chametz, if that is okay, and she gives permission. And so you may do that. It's ideal to have everything out before and have the closet locked up for Pesach. But if you're stuck and you need something, yes, you have permission to take it out. The other question which was asked was, is there any prep, and if so, what, that can be done in a kitchen not yet kashered for Pesach? For example, can I wash fresh blueberries in cold water and put away in freezer for Pesach if the sink and faucets haven't been kashered? So what we recommend generally is if you need a sink that hasn't been kashered for Pesach, see if you have another sink in the house that you can use. Like, for example, a laundry sink. If you have a laundry sink somewhere in your house. Um, Even if necessary, if you have a clean washroom, to use the washroom sink for that so that it's not running up against matters of, against matters of chametz. That would be really the best idea, if possible, to avoid uh, such issues. Um, and it really, that leaves me, leads me to a, a, a little bit of discussion about the proverbial Pesach kitchen. People think about a Pesach kitchen. A Pesach kitchen is a helpful, a helpful, uh, um, helpful institution for people, but it's overstated. A Pesach kitchen doesn't have to be a separate wing of your house, a specially built area in your basement. A Pesach kitchen, which gives you the advantage of being able to prepare some food in advance, could be a suitable corner. I know someone who just puts down a folding table in their basement, and they have a, uh, a camping um, a little range, you know, those things. I'll show you one in a, in a couple of minutes. And uh, they even have a, a tabletop convection oven that they use to bake things in and to cook things in. And they use the laundry sink for, for washing. And they, can get, they get a lot of Pesach preparations done there. Uh, we, we here in the Howard family are halfway spoiled. And I'll show you what we do. And it's, it's not to make anybody nervous. Okay, sometimes people say, don't show anybody that you're preparing anything for Pesach early because then they'll get nervous that they think that they're behind. Nobody's behind. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. It's not even Rosh Chodesh Nisan until Thursday. Right? Pesach is two and a half weeks away. And the whole purpose of all of these talks is to tell you, don't go crazy. You're going to be fine. You're going to be absolutely positively fine. This is just to give pointers. You have them in hand. Maybe you'll be able to get started a little earlier and be able to relax. But everybody's going to be fine and everybody's going to be able to get the job done without any problem. And yes, this Pesach should be more simple than generally. And that's a very, very important thing. Don't set high aspirations for... uh, for, you know, to win, uh, I don't, what do they call it, Master Chef or something like that, right? We're going we're gonna to have a special cooking show. Simplest Pesach wins, okay? So that's the, that's the goal. So let me just show you here a corner, 
And the purpose of showing it to you is both to show you a corner, and I'm not going to walk you through an actual koshering process, because I'm not prepared to do that and I don't have the extra hands for the film crew right now. I'm hoping to be able to direct you to such a series of short videos in the next, in the next few days, which we're working on producing in a different venue. But um, today I'm just going to give you, in, this, in the spirit of a little bit of an introduction to preparation for Pesach, okay? So I'm going to take you here on a little ride. And I just have to figure out how to reverse my camera. One second, please. Oh, there you go. I think I see it here. Okay, very good. Okay, we're walking from my place in the dining room. And we're going towards our kitchen. Okay. And here's our kitchen. Now we have, in the corner of our kitchen, you see over there, gray drapes. They're not usually there. If you've been in our house, you know that they're not usually there. They are a back part of our setting up our so-called and overstated Pesach kitchen. It's not a Pesach kitchen. It's just one. Here we go. We part the curtain. It's just one corner of our kitchen. Hold on one second. I'm going to try to open it up a little bit. No, I'm sorry. I didn't do too good a job over here. Hold on one second, please. Here we go. This is this is a little tiny area. It's not tiny, it's a small area, which is generally working for us for what we call tara. A tara area. So the first step here of Pesach preparation for us is that we kasher this area for Pesach. Kashering this area for Pesach means a couple of steps. First, first thing is that we have down here a, uh, an oven. It's that wonderful invention called a self-cleaning oven. And so we self-clean the oven. After we self-clean the oven, we open it up and we look and we see what's there. As people know, even with that magical thing called a self-cleaning oven, there's gonna be some grime, especially on the door and so on and so forth. And you try, try to attack it and get rid of it. Um, uh, sometimes you may need to use some kind of an abrasive. It's generally not a good idea to use an abrasive on the main part of the safe self-cleaning oven because it doesn't. Then it takes away the self-cleaning uh, property a little bit if it doesn't have that coating on it. But the doors don't get really properly self-cleaned anyway, and you need to look, need to look around and find things. It should not be again. It's okay. when you self-clean an oven. Very important safety note is. Don't self-clean an oven unattended. You need to be around. It's very hot. That's why it burns it out. Very hot. And Rachmanovatan accidents could happen. You should make sure a window is open for, for, for oxygen. For, you know, there shouldn't be having to get any kind of buildup of the wrong kinds of gases. And you should just monitor it to make sure that nothing happens. So that's number one thing which happens. The second thing which happens is cleansing of the area under this the counter here, you know, the areas beyond. And again, it's not a, such a complicated job. You have to, you know, scrub it clean, make sure that it's clean. You know, you have window sills and window shades, so you dust those off to look at them to make sure that they're okay. And 
here, these are actually underneath this, this cover. You don't notice this is actually a black vinyl cover. Underneath it is black granite. Uh, granite is technically speaking able to be pressured by pouring boiling hot water on it. The problem is I don't do it. And the reason why I don't do it is because you can't kosher gingerly. In halacha, because koshering needs to be done thoroughly, if you're worried when you're koshering about doing it too thoroughly, we're worried you're not going to do it well enough. And generally speaking, people don't like pouring. I, for one, don't like pouring tons of boiling hot water on a counter that's going to spill down onto the wooden cabinets. I would want to do it sparingly. And so, therefore, I don't really rely on it. I do a little splattering of hot water. I don't consider it kosher. Instead, after cleaning it, we cover it. And this covering is, a, is, is something we've been using for a couple of years. It's a, it comes on a roll. You can get it at a fabric store. You can even get it online. It's sheet vinyl, somewhat, uh, you know, somewhat thick. You know, it's, it's, I mean, somewhat thick, I mean, it's not, it's not even like an inch, eighth of an inch thick. It's just, you know, it has, it's something which could last from year to year. And uh, then you have to, you know, this is really one of the most fun parts, actually. You get to try your, test out your ingenuity, is how you actually get it to fit. And so you have to set it up, and then you cut a hole that you're going to be able to put around the sink, you know, to get, you know, to, to get around the sink, and then you have to cut out the area of the sink. Now... One thing that, that we do, but we don't really put on the cover until after we have kashered the sink. To kasher the sink, we do a lot of cleaning and scrubbing. The sink is not perfectly clean right now. Please excuse me. This is an unannounced visit. But the, 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 you, you have to scrub the, the, the sink clean. And again, it's not a five-hour job. It's not a one-hour job. Just scrub it clean. Make sure that when you touch it and you feel it and you put your hands on it, you don't feel anything there. You just feel the smoothness of the sink when you're done. And we have special, we, we take these out. You know, these are special for Pesach. Um, and you, know, you, you scrub around here. You clean this area. You, you go and you, you clean the, you know, the underside of the, uh, of the spigot you know, to make sure that it's okay. We have a soap dispenser here. We usually take it out for Pesach. And then you have to take a kettle with boiling hot water and run it all over. Run it all over. For me, to do a sink like this, it takes two to three kettle, kettles. I, I just, I want, you have to hit every spot. The edges, you know, the spigot, the top. And some, sometimes I'll put, for good measure, I'll put aluminum foil, you know, around the rim of this, uh, around the rim of this, of this, in case I feel I didn't get the rims exactly right. Right now we haven't done it. That's the, the, the basic process. I, I did it quickly. I, again, I hope to offer you a demonstration video that I can refer you to in the future. Here's the last element of the Pesach kitchen. That is a camping, a camping, uh, you know, two, two, uh, two burner uh, stove. It's a, it's, a, it's a relatively inexpensive thing. And there's your, there's, there's your, there's your Pesach kitchen. Uh, this we use it only for, for Arab Pesach preparations. No, for for these things, the the that's that's just a, a little bit of a look. Now, we you know in terms of cabinets. So these cabinets, because this is where the advanced preparation. I these are kosher pesach. But the many many other cabinets in our kitchen, 
the vast majority of them, and I'm going to turn back to, to, to me, the vast majority of them are going to be closed. They're not going to be, they're not going to be open, they're not going to be cleaned uh, thoroughly for Pesach. Uh, you know, in other years, we do go through just to make sure to check, to make sure that there's no chametz gomor. Uh, there's 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 uh, there's no chametz gomor, you know, in them. I don't know that we're going to do that this year because we're going we're planning to sell much chametz gomor, much much uh, of the full blown regular chametz. So you know that's just a like a quick look. It's a, a quick look, and I, I I I show it to you in this way again to reduce you know the sense of of uh, of pressure and need and worry in. Uh, in trying to accomplish, in trying to accomplish this. Yeah, someone asked, when announcing your pot or utensil is hefker to three people, can they be family members under bar mitzvah or women? We were actually having a big debate about this, and uh, it, it, it may need to be in front of three outsiders, adults. I, it could be, I think it would be men or women. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, be men, but it should be in front of three outsiders who are adults who can make a Kenyan by themselves. If I have a camping stove which hasn't been used in at least 15 years, but was used for non-Pesach, can it be used for Pesach? A camping stove, like anything else, can be, like, can be kashered for Pesach. It'll be quite easy to kasher this for Pesach. All you have to do is, is, is clean it, you know, clean between the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the area of the surface and then turn up the, turn up the burners, you know, till they get, you know, nice and, and, you know, and hot, their hottest temperature. They should be on the hottest temperature for, they'll glow red usually, right? It's, if it's electric one, so then it'll glow, it'll glow red somewhat. Uh, certainly if it's hot enough that you put a piece of paper, it'll singe, singe right away and that will be enough for this kind of a thing. It's not a hard thing to kasha. If can clean your oven racks are very clean of any, do you keep the racks in the oven when you? Okay, so it looks like this question is about leaving the oven racks in the oven when you self-clean. Oven racks should be koshered. Do they have to be in the oven during the self-cleaning? So technically speaking, you don't have to have them in there during the self-cleaning. They have to be in there for some point, at some point. They should be koshered. Um, however, the kashering could be uh, a lighter kashering than, than the libun chomer, since you don't put things directly on the racks. Um, some people don't like to have the racks in there for the self-cleaning cycle because the manufacturer usually tells you not to have them in there because they won't be so shiny and gleaming afterwards. They lose some of their stainless steel quality if, they, if they're in during a self-cleaning cycle. And it's true, they will lose some of the gleam. However, one thing that is probably the case is that, as, as I've said to some of you before, if you use your oven to make Thanksgiving dinner and the Pesach Seder, then your racks will stay shiny and take them out for self-cleaning, and then I'll tell you how to kosher them. But if you make stuff, if you make Shabbos meals all the time, they're gonna get. They're gonna lose their shine anyways. <laughs> so you might as well make life easier for yourself and keep them in there for the self clean. Baruch Hashem, you know Jewish ovens get used a lot. So 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 I, you know again, it's a it's a it's a decision for you to make. 
uh, you know, forewarned. If you don't have them in for the self-clean, then what you need to do is you need to make sure that they're clean and then have them in the oven for about 50 minutes at, the hot, at, the, at, a, at a good temperature, like a temperature of 550, a temperature of broil. How long does the self-cleaning cycle need to be? My oven has a two-hour, four-hour, and six-hour option. Any of those options are okay. What if we don't have a self-cleaning oven? It's an aqua clean, which I was told does not get hot enough to kosher. So how do we clean the oven and racks inside? I'm not familiar enough with the aqua clean. Um, and I don't know what's the, what's, maybe you'll write back to me and tell me what the highest temperature they have on the aqua clean oven is. But uh, generally speaking, uh, we are lenient. Now, you know, it could be that there's a difference between Ashkenazim and Sephardim. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, there are certainly some people who are machmir, as you know, to use a blowtorch. The, the hora, which we give generally based on Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Aaron Kotler, and others, is that you don't have to blowtorch, you just need to have it to get very hot, Rav Yashiver uh, same. it just has to get very hot, Libun Kal, which means that the walls have to get hot enough that if you would touch a piece of paper to it, it would singe and turn brown, you know, essentially immediately. And, uh, and uh, that is, uh, that's all that's needed. So I don't know how the AquaClean works, but in those cases, you do have to clean the oven well before you do that. The self-cleaning burns away everything, so it doesn't really need an intensive cleaning before you just have to check afterwards for little residues. The other kind, you have to clean it first. So there's, a, there's an elbow grease component that does make it, make it harder. Uh, the question about microwaves and convention ovens, convection ovens, excuse me, um, the microwave ovens, so... Personally, I'm not crazy about kashering microwave ovens. If a person could do without it for, for Pesach, then I would recommend trying to do without it for Pesach, just closing it up. If you need to kasher it, there are different ways that different kashers organizations suggest it might be able to be kashered. It's not my favorite thing. Uh, convection ovens, I'm not prepared to tell you right now. I have to remember Exactly, there's some spe specific thing. I will try to cover it in a future situation. Is there any solution for a smooth glass cooktop of an electric range? Yes, I believe. And Emir uh, Tashem, we will try over the coming days to, uh, to send out what we do every year, which is our two-pager of, um, of kashering instructions for your kitchen, which we have uh, right here. And while it is the case that some that some kashrus organizations are hesitant about recommending the um, you know altogether the kashring of the glass top, glass top's not so so easy. But what you would do is you would clean the whole area on top, and uh, and uh, and. Um, and uh, run the, the, the burners at the highest so that they turn red. Uh, you can, you can uh, then use it, but try to keep stuff away from the glass area in between the burners. If you want to use the glass area in the, between the burners, you should have something between your pot and the burner. Don't cover it with a blech, it will crack, but at least have another piece of silver foil, heavy-duty silver foil, 
underneath the pot that you're putting on the area in between because it can't be fully koshered, that glass area in between. We keep the racks and burners in oven during self-clean in order to kosher them. Do they need to be cleaned beforehand? So if they're going to be on in there during self-clean, you usually see whatever's on there is really incinerated. If when you take it out, you're still seeing real stuff on there, uh, then there's probably something wrong with your self-cleaning. Or maybe the two hours isn't enough. It should be completely, completely burned up whatever's on there, just by virtue of the self-cleaning. It might be an idea to clean them just so it comes out a little bit nicer, but, uh, but, it, but it should be okay. Um, do I need to cover the inside of the oven door with foil after I have self-cleaned my oven? In our house, we do not do that. We try to inspect it and clean it, but we don't believe that it has to be covered with foil. Uh, we don't practice covering it with foil. Um, I have a gas range. After cleaning well, do you need to cover the oven top with aluminum foil? You should cover the top with aluminum foil. And maybe again, either in one of those videos or one of these times, I'll show you how we cover ours. Uh, you should cover it. it. Really, the area is because you're not, you're only koshering the burners. You're only koshering the burners. And, you know, the areas in between, you're not koshering because you can't really properly kosher them. So they should be double covered so that when stuff drips down on them, it doesn't become chametzdik. You know, if you had chametz, which was spilling on your stovetop all the time, and then something spills onto it, you know, it's, it's, you, you want to avoid that. You want to avoid that. It's not a, a real huge problem, but that's a, a real minag Yisrael to cover the top, the areas in between that cannot be, that cannot be kashered. How you all doing? Okay, I'm now going to open up the unmute. One second, I got one more question here. Many koshered kitchens look like spaceships with foil covering backsplashes, etc. What is necessary? Okay, so it's true, they do look like spaceships. Um, like, the, like pretend spaceships. Um, <laughs> um, but um, the, 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 uh, what, they, what they really are, um, the level of covering of backsplashes uh, so some people do it. Uh, I don't believe that in, in, in a general case that it's an obligation to do it. People, some people do it. If there's, if there's something which is a little bit more likely would be if you have your area of your hood, you know, where the pot stuff goes up. So that's an area that really, really needs to be cleaned well. And some people will add silver foil there. You know, the backsplash is hard. I mean, if you do... Maybe if you know yourself and you're a very splashy cooker, you know, a cook, you know, so then maybe it would be, it would be that way. But I think in the, in the, as a general thing, it's not an obligation to have silver foil covering the, the, uh, the backsplash and not for extra work for this Pesach. Um, two tips I've heard. Yeah. Put quarters under your pot when cooking. If your oven racks become hard to slide in and out after self-cleaning, rub oil on the sides, it makes them slide better. Okay. Um, I don't know that you're have to put quarters under the pots for the glass. Uh, maybe, again, if you're putting the stuff in the middle, you want to put little discs, little metal discs or coins. That's fine. But I think the area over the fire, I don't think you have to worry about. And the oven racks, um, 
Yeah, that sounds like a good idea to rub oil on the sides and make them slide better. Thank you. We appreciate tips. And I'm going to now unmute everybody. So now this is community hour. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Good to see you. And, uh, and hope that everybody is able to do this in as, uh, in as relaxed a manner as possible. It's, it's, I agree. I agree. I agree. Okay, so I hope that some of these tips were somewhat helpful. And just remember again, it's very, very, very doable. Very doable. And, um, you know, people who are finding themselves with kids at home, um, first of all, I want to mention just, uh, just as an aside that tomorrow night uh, from, at 8.30, uh, the Rebbitson and I are going to conduct together a session for women. Um, for preparing for Pesach, some chizuk and practical things. But um, try to see if you can sometimes, maybe, 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 again, obviously things depend on the nature of the children and the age of the children, but some of these things could be nice projects to do together. What, uh, what we always say, and what's very, very important to always think about, and this is like a principle for life, and take it from me, because I am the master of stress. What that means is, that I'm always stressed. <laughs> but I'll tell you what makes people stressed. Stressed is the product of when you feel you need to be doing five things right now, three things right now, two things right now. When you feel, I'm just going to be doing one thing right now, and everything else will find its time later, then you might work hard, but you're not going to be stressed in the same way because right now I know what I'm doing and this is what I have to do. So if preparing for Pesach means that you're trying to clean a room while you're managing something in the laundry and something on the stove and worrying about uh, children doing this thing and the other and talking to your mother-in-law all at the same time, you will be stressed. But if instead you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to sit down with, with the kids right now, and we're just going to go through these toys. We're going to decide which toys we want out for Pesach, and we're going to put all the other ones away in the closet. And we'll have a nice little project of putting them away in the closet. And then the ones we want, we're going to look through them. We're not going to clean them. We're not going to bleach the Monopoly dollars, right? But rather, we're going to just look and make sure that there aren't Oreo cookies on those Monopoly dollars. Uh, you know, there, there, that there isn't a piece of pizza stuck in the holes of the Lego, you know, and we're gonna make sure that it's okay, and we're chilled. There's nothing else in the world we have to do right now. So you'll get it done step by step. There isn't so much, there isn't so, 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 so much. We're trying to minimize, I'm trying to help you minimize, trying to encourage you to minimize. This year, the greatest Simchas Yamtiv. The greatest kavod yamtiv is that we should go into yamtiv safe and healthy and knowing and recognizing that we contributed only to public health of others and it meant we did simple. Knowing that we went into yamtiv, making sure that people in our house weren't all stressed out because we were, you know, for the sake of an extra this or an extra that or a more perfect this or that, you know, we all got ourselves frazzled. Just let's try to build for ourselves as much as we can, plenty of space. And 
there's, I don't think there are any shopping days left till Pesach because of our situation, <laughs> but there are 18 days left till Pesach. And the Mirat Hashem, we're going to do just fine, just fine. When, it, when, when people are asleep late at night, just make your, life, your, your little chart. We're going to do this room, then we'll do that room, we'll take care of it, and we're going to be good. We are going to be good. Okay? Good Yantiv. Good night. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you.